Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. Happy Father's Day to uh, dads here at Maranatha and also to uh, you that are listening online. I have a question for all of you today, whether you're a dad or a child, and I guess all of us fit into that second category. What did you learn from your dad? My dad's been gone for over 25 years now, and and as I look back on my years growing up on the family farm with uh, five siblings, there are a lot of things that me and my siblings learned from my dad. And uh, many of them were practical life skills, uh, general information about all kinds of things, including the uh, plant and animal kingdoms, and basic carpentry, mechanical things, stuff like that. There were some things, though, that my dad didn't know much about, too. Like plumbing, for instance. And when something went wrong in that area, it seemed like he just always called a plumber. And so as a result, perhaps, uh, I also have no confidence and, and no competence in plumbing. Um, you can just ask my family about that, just my latest attempt this past week or so, um, and, and they'd laugh at the gusher of water that uh, came when I disconnected the wrong thing. But you know, there were some other things that I did learn from my dad that were a whole lot more important than plumbing. Uh, I learned knowledge of God and his word and the importance of being a part of a Christian congregation. And I I learned part of what a personal relationship with the Lord looks like on a daily basis. As I saw examples from him and how he lived out his life, including this regular pattern of devotions each morning before he went out and milked cows at 5.30. And I saw how that relationship with the Lord then affected how he treated people as well. Today we're going to be looking at a chapter, well, chapter 2 in, in the book of Proverbs. And this is a passage that is a part of a God-fearing father's advice to his son. Actually, the first seven chapters of Proverbs are, are that, and so this is just a part of it. But it's King Solomon then passing on words of wisdom to his son. And in chapter 1, Solomon described wisdom personified, you might say, saying that it shouts out in the street, it cries out to people to listen to it and to learn from it. Uh, it, It's like it was pursuing you. Now as we look at chapter 2, Solomon describes wisdom as something that is for us to deliberately pursue. And so I'd like you to look with me at that, beginning of verse 1, and would you stand in reverence to God's word as we read today? My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you and make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. 
guarding the paths of justice, and he preserves the way of his godly ones. And then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity in every good course. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul, and discretion will guard you, understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness and walk in the ways of darkness, who delight in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil and whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways, to deliver you from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flatters with her words and that leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God, for her house sinks down to death and her tracks lead to the dead. None who go to her return again, nor do they reach the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of good men and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land <clears throat> and the blameless will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be uprooted from it. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for Proverbs and the wisdom that is to be gained there. And we pray that as we meditate on this chapter, Lord, that you would guide us in understanding the importance of pursuing wisdom from you. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. What we learn from our parents is often significant in shaping who we are and what we become. And the role of a father is an important part of that. And unfortunately, there are an awful lot of absentee fathers in our land. Homes without a father where mothers are left then trying to do it all. And I believe that we're seeing some of the effects in the news even lately with the chaos and anarchy that has erupted in cities all over our country. There are other homes where they may have fathers present, but with some mixed up priorities, teaching their kids by their not so good examples. And from my understanding, that is the case really in the home of our current president as he was growing up. His dad, Fred Trump, was a very big influence on Donald Trump's life. And so when Donald Trump moved into the Oval Office, he placed on the table beside his desk a single photo of his father, just like he had had um, for 26, or I should say, on the 26th floor uh, of the Trump Tower for years. It was more recently, though, that he added in his office another photo, and that's uh, of his mother, Mary Trump. And interesting things about her, she actually grew up in South Wales and was significantly influenced by the famous Welsh spiritual revival that happened in New Hebrides there before she came to America and then met Fred Trump. And Donald Trump has often talked about the profound influence of Fred Trump, his father. He wrote, for instance, in a book back in 2007, that's why I'm so screwed up, because my father pushed me pretty hard. In a book uh, in 2015, he, he said this, I received from my mother my religious values, but I was not her best pupil. The values she gave me were strong values, and I wish I could have picked them all up, but I didn't, obviously. And another time he said this, my mother wanted me to be happy. My father understood me more. He said, I want you to be successful. Well, his father also set before him the example of being a womanizer and had a long-term affair with his secretary. Fathers do have a significant influence on their children. 
often shaping their convictions and their priorities for good or for bad. A survey of mainline Protestant youth asked what were the most significant religious influences in their lives. And some youth directors have been rather surprised to find that they were actually about 13th on the list. At the top of the list in this order were mothers and then fathers, grandparents, siblings, and friends. Yet another bit of research indicates that only 28% of churched youth have talked with mom about faith and only 13% of churched youth have talked with their dads about faith. Just this last Wednesday, our Maranatha pastors and deacons and Board of Ed met for a couple hours wanting to consider ways that we might come alongside of parents and encourage and equip them to have more faith conversations in the home. And we hope to pursue some of those ideas in our church schedule even this fall. And as we look at Proverbs 2 here today then, we recognize that this is advice from a godly father to his son, and it presupposes that there's a good relationship between them whereby that advice can be passed and received. And as we look here then, first of all, verses 1 and 2 here, I see some things about wisdom and fathers. There he says, My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you. And Solomon talks there then about receiving a father's sayings. And in order for wisdom from dad to be passed on to a son, there has to be a willingness on the son's part to receive it. And God's intention is that godly fathers would teach their children and that children be receptive to that. However, sin hinders that on both sides, really, doesn't it? Blatant and unadmitted sin in a father's life hinders a child from believing that his dad has godly wisdom to share. And sin in the heart of a child can close their ears to good advice as well. And I think that having fathers pass on godly wisdom to their children also presupposes that they do spend time together, which unfortunately in our busy society is not always the case. And seeming lack of time then complicates this, but it's really essential. And so in order for a godly father to pass on wisdom to his children, A deliberate receiving must take place. And also then an attitude that Solomon describes here as as treasuring a father's commandments. Seeing a father's instructions as valuable. And I have to be honest here today, I didn't always do that. As a teenager, I thought that I knew more than my dad about just about everything, including farming. And sometimes I took the opportunity to tell him essentially that. And it was really during my confirmation years that the Lord began to convict my heart that most of my problems with my dad were me and my know-it-all attitude. Well, as we go on here in in verses 2 to 5, we see that wisdom isn't something that just falls out of the sky on unsuspecting people. But no, it emphasizes there the need for it to be a deliberate pursuit. And pursuit of wisdom then involves a couple of things. It involves our ears and also our hearts. You see in verse 2, make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding. And you see, both of those are deliberate actions on our part. And they involve, you know, for instance, the first one, it involves concentration, listening with our ears. And, And, you know, when I'm sitting out in the fellowship hall with folks these days and there's a whole bunch of people out there and we're having coffee together, 
I have to really concentrate, especially across those round tables, to understand what the person across is saying. I suppose partially some loss of hearing from those days in the tractor, but I have to concentrate on that in order because I want to know what they're saying. Partially it involves reading lips. Some of you do the same, I know. Um, that's attentive listening with my physical ears and even my eyes. But, but pursuing wisdom involves more than just the physical ear. It, it involves a receptive and teachable heart. A heart that wants to understand what the advice giver is saying and believes that they'll learn wisdom by doing so. And, and so wisdom involves in a, a deliberate pursuit with both ears and our heart. And, and pursuit of it also involves, in, as we look on here, it involves asking for discernment and understanding. Verse 3, for if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. Now who are we crying out to as we cry for wisdom? Well, ultimately it would be to the one who knows it all, the one who is the source of all discernment and understanding. In other words, then pursuit of real wisdom requires prayer to God. And Solomon says here, then, pursuing wisdom is, is like pursuing a treasure of silver. And just think about it. If you knew there was a treasure of silver someplace nearby and you didn't know just where it was, wouldn't you go looking for it seriously? Well, Solomon says that that's the way we should look at this business of wisdom. It's a nearby treasure well worth searching out. And finding it, he says, then, leads to the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God. That is, it leads to a healthy respect for the awesomeness of God and a desire to get to know and understand Him more. And then it comes down to this. Though we are encouraged here to deliberately pursue wisdom, it's not something that I gain somehow by my hard work, but instead pursuit really comes as we cry out to God for it, and then God gives it to us as a gift. As you look on in verses 6 to 11 there, we see that then. God gives us wisdom. And Solomon says here it has to be asked for and pursued, but also he's saying then that it is readily given to us who ask God. And our asking for it then really is an admission that we don't have it. We have a lack here, and we have a need. And so we ask God for it. And James 1 reminds us of that, that need we have to, we have to admit, that lack of wisdom in order to ask for it. But if we ask, then God will give it. Uh, James 1.5 says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously, without reproach, and it will be given to him. You know, as we've watched the news these last months of this coronavirus pandemic, and now these protest marches and discussions about racism and all that, it, it is hard sometimes to know just what to believe and, and how to see these things or how to respond to them. And these days, people too easily grab these little sound bites and run with them and react to them without really listening enough to understand the wider picture and how we need to ask God for wisdom to withhold quick judgments and wait and ask for, him for humility to, to say, you know, I guess I don't really understand everything about this or I don't know how best to respond yet, but I'm praying for wisdom. What we see here in verse 7 is exciting then because it says here that God stores up wisdom. He stores up wisdom for the upright. And so picture with me then a big storehouse, maybe those giant steel bins we have in our country these days. And God says that he stores up wisdom for folks. 
It's just there, stored up, waiting to be used. And his storehouse of wisdom is bigger than those steel bins. He has no limits. He can store up and give out to those who ask. And he also says that he himself is a shield to those that are walking in integrity. And a shield is something that protects from things being hurled at you. And who does he protect and how does he, uh, who does he store up wisdom for? He says he stores it up for the upright or, or for those that are walking in integrity. He's not saying he does this for the perfect ones. That would rule us all out. Uh, or for those that are even close to perfect. You know, being a Christian isn't about being perfect or thinking that we are. It's about being honest with ourselves and, and with God and with other people and, and being willing then to admit when we fail to live up to the standards that we believe to be right and, and then accepting that forgiveness that is offered freely in Jesus Christ. That's what integrity and uprightness is about. It involves living in daily repentance and faith. And God-given wisdom, according to verse 9 here, then brings discernment of righteousness and justice and equity. We, we have a lot of folks who are clamoring for and demanding justice and going on these days. And, and uh, God is concerned for the oppressed and the poor, and so we ought to be too. But we also ought not to adopt a victim mentality that then excuses our actions and refuses to take responsibility for our situations. And at the same time, then, as we ask God for discernment in these things, he will give it. And Solomon says here about wisdom in verse 10 that it will enter your heart and discretion will guard you. So wisdom involves in more, just, more than just head knowledge. It's not just a head thing. It also involves the heart, and, and it's partly... Because of that, I think that many around us just don't get it. They're, they're blind to their need for God to be at work in changing their hearts. So we look on in verses 12 and following here, wisdom delivers from potential harm. And he mentions the way of evil men. To deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness who delight in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil, and whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. See, Satan is a great deceiver. And he continually works to bring down our guard and to draw us into the path of destruction. And he often uses people to do so, to entice us away from the things of the Lord, just a bit at a time. In my Lutheran Study Bible, I had this quote, through the effective working of the devil, what repulses at first becomes interesting and then acceptable and finally a source of sinful delight. And so Solomon warns his son about evil men. And also, as you look on here, he warns him about the strange woman. Explains it here. That's the forbidden woman or the adulteress, the one who lures the young man to her house and leads him into sin and to spiritual death. And sexual sin is something that looks so inviting. It promises such enjoyment, but it ends up so empty when it's carried out outside of God's intended design. And you know, that is the way it is with many temptations to sin. They draw us in with promises of something great, but they don't deliver what they promise. And they're a bit like something that happened to me the other day. So I, I was <clears throat> just driving through town after dropping my son off for something and, 
And uh, I was driving along, I saw this sign for an estate sale, and during the summer, I occasionally stop at an estate sale, and what I found especially um, interesting at them is um, looking through their music selections, and, and I find, you know, a lot of them are old-timers, and so there's these classic CDs, um, and, and you can pick them up really cheap. And I love listening to them when I'm in my car, and so often it's country gospel ones I find, or occasionally something else from my past. Um, so one, that day I spotted a, a CD with Ronnie Millsap's greatest hits. And I looked on the back of the case, and there I saw some of those titles that I recognized, you know, What a Difference You Made in My Life, and uh, it was almost like a song. Anybody else remember those songs? Yeah? Okay. Well, they brought back memories for me, and I, I decided I'm going to pay my buck and get this CD. And, and I did so, got back to my car. Opened up the CD, I was excited to put this in my player and listen as I drove the rest of the way out here. And you know what? The case was empty. <laughs> well, being a man of principle, I went back in and said, here it is, and she gave me my dollar back. And so I wasn't out anything except big disappointment. But you see, that is the way it is with temptation to sin, too. Whether it comes from the evil man or the strange woman or somebody else here, it gets you excited and draws you in, and then there's a big disappointment. Whoever was we pray to God for wisdom, he delivers us from potential harm and from needless disappointment, and also from serious life scars that are due to sin and its consequences. And ultimately, he delivers us in from eternal destruction. If we will listen to him, and follow his wisdom. Now as we come to the end of this chapter in Proverbs, we, we see the, the, the contrast here then between a wise walk and, and walking in the way of wickedness. Verse 20 and following, So you will walk in the way of good men and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be uprooted from it. The upright will live in the land. Now, now remember, who are the upright? They are those that walk in integrity, in honesty with themselves and with God and others. They will live in the land and be blessed by God. Whereas the wicked, it says, will be cut off from it. They will face the consequences of living, fooling themselves and trying to fool God and others. And they will lack the blessing of their creator God and ultimately then, if things don't change, they will face eternal consequences and the reality that comes from not facing up to things in life. There's a verse in Colossians that, that talks about wisdom as it relates to Jesus Christ. And it says simply this, In Christ himself are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You see, you really can't be wise without Jesus Christ. You can't really be wise without dealing with the reality of your own mortality and your accountability to your Creator. And only in His Son, Jesus Christ, can you find true relief from the guilty conscience that we have over our sins and failures in life. And in Jesus, we're offered full forgiveness and the power to change. And in Jesus, we're offered eternal life in glory when this life is over, where we'll be free at last from all those things that tripped us up in this life and alienated us from God and man. And so I point you, fathers and children alike today, 
the wisdom that is found in God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. As we think about it, some of us were blessed with godly fathers who lived their lives examples of walking in a relationship with God, and, and they talked to us about those things as well. Others were not blessed with that example. But for all of us, fathers and sons, mothers and daughters as well, Solomon's words today here urge us, pursue wisdom. And that involves listening with our ears and with our hearts, praying to God for the wisdom and, and recognizing that that wisdom is a gift that he is glad to give us, which will then help us. It will guard our lives from foolish paths that we'll later regret walking. And it will keep us on the path to eternal life in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word today and, and, and the wisdom that is here. Lord, you know each one of us and you know our hearts and you know our failures. And those things haunt us at times. But Lord, we thank you that in Jesus Christ there is forgiveness and a fresh start each day. And we pray that you would help us, that we would live humbly, Lord, not as know-it-alls, but, but as ones who admit our limitations and want to learn from our dads and others around us, Lord. Uh, we pray that especially we would desire to learn from you and your word that you would give us wisdom to know how to navigate the challenges of, of our personal lives and, and living in this land today. With all the uh, chaos going on around us, Lord, draw us to yourself, that we would walk in a daily relationship with you, that we would be unwavering in that, and, and Lord, unscared because we know that you are with us and you have plans to lead us through this life and, and to protect us from harm and, and to keep us in a relationship with you now and through eternity. Uh, Lord, draw us to yourself and give us wisdom that we would walk that way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.